For the first time in 50 years, Israel has officially declared war. What happened in the Middle East over the weekend, and how should Christians view it and respond to it? A new study in the United Kingdom shows that transgenderism treatments actually raise health concerns for those who are undergoing them. And Ibram X. Kennedy returns in an ESPN special. You shouldn't be shocked at what they had to say about athletes in 2023. All of it today on the Palmetto Family Matters Show. There's a lot to get to, a lot to cover. We'll try to get to all of it in a timely manner today. Welcome in to the fastest growing and strongest conservative talk show in the state of South Carolina, the Palmetto Family Matters Show. Justin Hall here with you. Mitch Prosser out of town for the weekend, enjoying a much-needed vacation. A lot to get to today. We were going to talk about Joe Biden actually constructing a border wall, but then Saturday morning happened. And if you are unaware, if you've been unplugged from what's going on, you've missed quite a bit. Israel, over the weekend, on Saturday morning, so Shabbat for many in Israel, uh, they were attacked. Now, that's not uncommon. Rockets are launched frequently at times in the Middle East, specifically in the direction of Israel. However, this one was a little different. And as we try to break this down, by the way, on Monday, October 9th, in the year of our Lord, 2023, what we saw was unprecedented. What we saw was a terrorist organization, Hamas, and we'll get to Hezbollah from the north in a second, Hamas launched an all-out assault on the nation of Israel from the Gaza Strip by land, by air, and by sea. Hundreds of people are dead. Hundreds of people are captured and have been taken hostage back to Gaza, including American citizens, including British citizens, including German citizens. This is now a major escalation in the Middle East. Israel has responded, and they have responded with a declaration of war. That was issued by Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu early, our time, on Saturday morning. This is in Hebrew, so understand there is a language barrier if you're listening on podcast. But if you're watching on Facebook or on YouTube, the captions are on the screen. Here is Prime Minister Netanyahu shortly after the attacks begun on Saturday. Israel <laughs> במקביל הוריתי לבצע גיוס מילואים נרחב ולהשיב מלחמה שערה בעוצמה ובהיקף שהאויב לא הכיר. האויב ישלם מחיר שהוא לא ידע כמותו. אני קורא בינתיים לכל אזרחי ישראל להישמע בקפדנות להנחיות הצבא, להנחיות פיקוד העורף. אנחנו במלחמה ואנחנו ננצח בה. We are at war and we will win it says Prime Minister Netanyahu, shortly after the attacks began on Saturday morning. Now, for those of you who don't follow Israeli news closely, um, it might be a bit tough for you to understand what's going on in Israel. 
So let's try to break this down as quickly and as concisely as we can while keeping us on a good track. For, for myself, in order to stay up to date with Israeli news, I follow Amir Sarfati. He founded Behold Israel. He's a former IDF officer. He is a Christian and speaks at churches around the country of the United States, in Israel, across the world. Keeping everyone up to date on what's going on with Israel, how it impacts Christians, and how it impacts end-time prophecy. Now, we'll get into that in a second. However, he has a an email newsletter, and if you follow him on Telegram, it's, it's can be a bit overwhelming the amount of alerts and updates you get from him. But there is very there are very few as closely connected into what's going on in the intelligence community as Amir. This is what he wrote. I just want to read this because I think it, it it encapsulates everything, and I don't want to miss anything for you in case you need to get up to date. It was six thirty a.m. on a beautiful Sabbath morning. All over Israel, people were sleeping in on this final day of Sakat, the joyous Feast of Tabernacles. In southern Israel, five kilometers from the border of Gaza, an all-night rave with more than a thousand young people attending was just starting to wind down. Little did people know that the Palestinian terrorist group Hamas was about to launch a multi-level comprehensive attack using capabilities that had never been employed against Israel before. Drones were launched that dropped bombs on the Israeli military outposts along the border fence. So, there's a border fence that separates Gaza from Israel. It's one of the most tightly secure borders, I would argue, in the, in the world and certainly in Israel. It immediately neutralized the ground-level chain of command along that Gaza Strip. So, there was no one left to report to the higher levels of leadership what was going on. They eliminated everybody. At the same time, they began to fire rockets from Gaza into Israel by the hundreds and then the thousands. The firing of rockets, again, is not unusual. We see it quite often. We see the Iron Dome. We know what happens. What was atypical was a large number of the missiles made it past the Iron Dome. So you have a breach of the border with drones attacking military compounds, so you have drones drones flying bombs and they're dropping bombs by the drones. They're shooting missiles into Israel that are getting past the Iron Dome. The third pronged attack was that the border fence was breached and in some cases completely torn down. More than a thousand terrorists then began to flood into Israel on motorcycles, in cars, in trucks, and they came for a specific reason and if you have children with you right now, please turn this down, occupy them, then come back. The Hamas terrorists were going into Israel to hunt down Jews. They were going to hunt Jews. This is... I'm telling you this because I've seen some of the pictures. I've been following this since Saturday morning. You cannot fathom the evil that the nation of Israel and the people of Israel have seen in the last 48 hours. People at bus stops shot, killed. These festival goers that Amir mentioned earlier, paragliding troopers swarmed over the festival and surrounded it. People are fleeing for their lives at this point and they begin to mow people down. Why? Not because of a revolution, not because of occupation, but because they're Jews. 
more than 260 people were killed at that festival. So now you have towns and kibbutzes along the border of Gaza where people live. And these terrorists are going in and they're knocking on the doors of people's homes. And when the people open their doors, they murder them. And then first responders begin to come in, police, fire, EMS, and guess what? Same thing. It took four hours for the military to mount a coordinated response. It's been dubbed Operation Iron Sword. The IDF pushed the terrorists back into Gaza, but before they could, the Hamas terrorists, and shame on anyone who calls them fighters, Hamas terrorists began rounding up women and the elderly and children because they're cowards. And they took them hostage back into Gaza. Of course, knowing that Israel would turn its attention to the Gaza Strip and begin to eliminate terrorist strongholds. But as Hamas terrorists are known to do, and they're cowards in doing so, they put their base of operations in heavily populated civilian areas. They house them in hospitals. They house them in schools. They they, they house them in, in these places where children are and where women are. But they take these women and these children and these elderly folks who are simply just existing as Jews, And they parade them through the street, they beat them, and they kill them, and then they tout their corpses along the street while people are spitting on them. So what is Israel's response? Israel, since that moment, has begun an all-out siege on Gaza. Again, if you're unfamiliar with the layout of Israel, um, and, and again... I, I hope and I pray that your pastor took time yesterday, as mine did, to discuss this, to help us as Christians understand this, because what happens in Israel is of great importance to Christians. We know that. We read that in the Scripture, both old and new. So Israel's response is to turn its attention to the Gaza Strip. That's west. That is west. So this attack came from the west. In the south, on late Saturday night, maybe early Sunday morning, an Egyptian police officer opened fire on an Israeli tour bus in Alexandria, Egypt, killing two people. So now, Israel has all but commanded all Israeli citizens to leave Egypt. It's in the south. In the north, just this morning, just several hours ago, uh, on Telegram receiving reports from Amir that a group of Palestinian terrorists have begun to launch attacks from the north. So Israel, the size of New Jersey, has... Egypt is the most significant southern Right, But then you go west, you have the Gaza Strip with Hamas terrorists. At the north, it would be Hezbollah, uh, would be the north. So any terror group that's not Hezbollah would have to get permission from Hezbollah to infiltrate and to begin attacks. So that's the west, that's the north, that's the south. What's to the east? To the east is Afghanistan. To the east is the Taliban. They're waiting. 
Who are they waiting on? Who's going to give them permission? This goes back to the main questions we have, because right now we have more questions than answers as we begin to take toll of what's happened in Israel. One, we need to know, how did this happen? How did, how did the Iron Dome stop working? How did the intelligence community not know this was happening? Israel has some of the best intelligence in the world. If you enter their country, they know who you are. They know when you leave. They have facial recognition that tells them when you come in and when you leave. Trust me, been there. How did that happen? And secondly, who's behind this? Well, what we do know is that in Beirut, last Monday, Iran was helping Hamas and Hezbollah plan the attack. Now, again, I'm not going to lay the blame at any one person's feet. I will say, though, Iran is a state sponsor of terrorism, and they have been for much of their existence. And anyone who supports Iran by freezing or unfreezing funds or giving them funds signs the death warrants of people who are declared the enemies of Iran. Of course, the table is set. We unfree The United States unfreezes billions of dollars to Iran a couple of years ago. United States withdraws from Afghanistan, leaving how many billions of dollars worth of weapons in, in Afghanistan just there? Hamas terrorists are raising and holding M4s over their heads. Where do they get that from? They claim Ukraine. It's a mess. It's a mess. There's no doubt about it. Earlier last week, you had some provocations on the, on the Temple Mount. I, I just want to read this. Amir says, this is purely religious in nature, evidenced by the name of their attack. They called it the, and again, forgive me, but not my original language, Amaliyat Tufan al-Aska, or Operation al-Aqsa Flood. A record number of Jews visited, flooded, the al-Aska Mosque compound. More appropriately, it's the Temple Mount. So, in Jerusalem, you have... The Mount of Olives, which overlooks the Kidron Valley, and boom, you have the Temple Mount. That is where Solomon's Temple was built. That's where the Temple was in Jesus' day. That's the Temple Mount. However, the Muslims have built the Alaska Mosque on the Temple Mount, so they have control of the Temple Mount. And, of course, Jews come to the Temple Mount on the holy days of Yom Kippur and Sukkot and uh, the days surrounding it. Radical Muslims called it provocation. And the Jews aren't allowed to even show any worship on the Temple Mount because it would disrupt the Islamic worship. So, <clears throat> here's, here's some interesting points that I want to make to you before we move on to our next topic. This has been claimed by Amir. This has been claimed by multiple people who have Jewish connections in Israel. Saturday was Israel's 9-11. That's the seriousness that we need to take this with. More than 700 Israeli bodies have been found. Again, this is of yesterday. There are more. More than 2,000 are wounded. When you look at the numbers for Israel's population compared to the United States' in 2001... The death toll far exceeds. Not in, not in raw number, but in percentage. Far exceeds. Just for the sake of just for the sake of understanding this. We're in South Carolina. 
if Georgia launched an attack from the west and Florida started shooting missiles from the south. Oh, and by the way, we have an incursion out of Charlotte from the north. And for whatever reason, Myrtle Beach is split off from the United, from South Carolina. Sorry, guys, down in the Grand Strand area. And now they're attempting from the east. Even in Columbia, you're not far away. Well, the U.S. has announced that, that President Joe Biden has said that we will support um, Israel. This is, I want to make sure we understand, this is not the Ezekiel 38 war. This could set the table, but this is not that. This is, this is certainly table-setting and unprecedented. Israel hasn't declared war since 1973 in the Yom Kippur War. It hasn't happened since then. And in fact, it's almost 50 years to the day. It's pretty impressive. The U.S. is sending the USS Gerald Ford with about 110 Tomahawk missiles. Because that's the case, it can't be the Ezekiel 38 war because in Ezekiel 38, the whole world turns their back on Israel. So it's not that. However, we do see that the United States is willing to offer support on the ground and with weaponry. We're sending tanks, or sorry, we're sending aircraft carriers. Uh, rumor has it that the United States has a bomber ready to fly over Israel to deter. The United States has had people, our people, citizens, uh, hostages or killed, according to Secretary of State Anthony Blinken. So what's next? What's the Christian response to all this? Number one, your heart should break. The evil, I can't stress this enough, and it hurts It hurts your heart. If you've been to Israel, if you're a Christian who's made the voyage, the pilgrimage, if you will, to Israel, when you leave that land, tugs at your heart. You want to return. You want to go back. Because it's, it, it, you're, you're standing in the places where you read about. I don't know if there's any other way to put it. You're, you're standing beneath the caves of Engedi where David would hide from King Saul and write the Psalms, the beautiful, beautiful Psalms. You're at the Dead Sea. You're in the north. You're in Galilee. You're in Capernaum. Where Jesus had much of his earthly ministry, you go, you you visit where Peter and Peter's mother-in-law lived. You you stand on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. You take a boat ride onto the Sea of Galilee, and you can, in your mind, picture Christ walking on the sea. You can picture that moment after his resurrection, where they share a meal on the shore, and then, of course, the most amazing memories you have or driving up the Jericho road knowing Jesus walked this road as he set his face like flint toward Jerusalem and you walk and you crest the hill and there it is the temple mount and you get to the Mount of Olives and you know that one day Christ is going to return he's going to stand foot on the Mount of Olives he's going to split in two and he's going to go down the Kidron Valley and he's going to walk through the gate when you visit and when you leave you're ready to come home but you get home and you get over the jet lag and you think I want to go back. Now, for those of us who have been, we've met people. We've actually had lunch. We had a meal with a Palestinian Christian family in the Palestinian-controlled areas. So I want to make sure I tell you this. Not all Palestinians are bad people. This This isn't Palestinian. These are Hamas terrorists. 
But we need to pray for Israel. We need we need to pray for Israel. We need to pray for Jerusalem, not because they're not because they're under attack, although not solely because they're under attack, because that is true. But there is a a level of need to pray for Jerusalem. We know that there will be continued attacks that that take place, and we know this war will continue for days, weeks, maybe months. Who's to say? But in Psalm 122, it's it's one of the songs of the ascent of David. They would sing this, people would sing this song as they pilgrimage to Jerusalem because not everyone lived in Jerusalem. In Psalm 122, verse 6, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls, prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say, Peace be within you. Because of the house of the Lord, I will seek your good. So we need to pray for the people. We need to pray for those who are defending the land. We need to pray for the leaders, Benjamin Netanyahu and others. We need to pray for our own leaders as they make decisions on what to do next. This is a difficult, difficult thing to witness. It's a difficult thing to experience. It's a difficult thing to break down. Because as Christians, our prayer should be that, and we know it will happen, that God will protect his land. That is his land. And we know that will happen. We also know that this could be an opportunity for those who are not within the fold, who are not, who have not recognized Christ as the Messiah. This could be the opportunity for them to. So we need to pray for that as well. A lot going on in Jerusalem, a lot going on in Israel, a lot going on in the Middle East, and we'll continue to follow it. Again, I encourage you to connect with Amir Sarfati, one of the best one of the best voices when it comes to this issue um, and, and Middle East and specifically the happenings in Israel. One of the more well-connected folks there are, Christian worldview, Israeli worldview, important to follow him. All right, really quickly while we have a little bit more time, because that was our lead story immediately, needed to be the number one thing we looked at. A new study out of the United Kingdom shows that transgender women, men, taking gender-affirming hormones like estrogen are 95% more likely to suffer from heart disease, according to just normal men. A study published in the European Journal of Endocrinology showed that all trans people are at a significantly higher risk of a host of serious and potentially deadly medical conditions, including heart attacks and strokes. This was used in this test was ran, uh, or these this data comes from 2,671 trans people in their early to mid 20s living in Denmark. They then compared the rate of heart disease seen in these patients to a control group of 26,000 people. The increased risk of any type of heart disease was higher in both trans men and trans women, a.k.a. men who think they're women and women who think they're men and undergo these treatments. Now, transgender men, women who become men, 
taking testosterone have are at a 2.2 times increased risk of cardiovascular ailments. High blood pressure, abnormal blood fats were the common, most common cardiovascular problems. Now, it also shows that transgender women, aka men who are taking estrogen, are at a higher risk of type 2 diabetes. Now, again, there are contributing factors to this. Smoking, drinking, diet, exercise, sure, all of those are the case. But it is quite interesting that as we deal with the idea that those who are denied or refused this these treatments are at a higher risk of, of health problems and suicidality. It's it's incredible that now we're seeing empirical data that shows these treatments can lead to increased health problems for those who do them. What's what's the what's the story there? What's the scoop there? The scoop and the story there is simply this. God designs men and women as men and women. Biologically and with a basic true moral sentience, there are men and there are women. And if you're a man, you're a man. And if you're a woman, you're a woman. That's what you're designed to do. Your body is not designed to intake increased levels of the of the of the hormone that is not dominant in your body. Men have estrogen in their body. Women have testosterone in their body. However, they are the, they are the levels that need to be. They don't need to be increased. And as we try to disrupt the basic biological Imago Dei order, we will see increased risks of complication. I don't, I, I don't know of any other way to put that. Now we're seeing the empirical data that backs that up. One final thing today, Ibram X. Kendi has reemerged. If you don't know who Ibram X. Kendi is, he wrote How to Be an Anti-Racist. Um, that's obviously not the best mode because it's, well, uh, one of the more ridiculous things I've ever heard. If you remember, Ibram X. Kendi's Center for Anti-Racist Research at Boston University bellied up a couple of weeks ago because they weren't paying anybody, because they weren't making any money, because they weren't doing any research. It was all a fraud. He's a hoaxer. He's a grifter. So what does that have to do with us? Well, Ibram X. Kendi is a, appearing on an ESPN Plus series titled Skin in the Game. Okay, if you don't have ESPN Plus, I don't. Um, but ESPN Plus is an ability for folks to watch, you know, Division Two, Division Three sports that you wouldn't normally get on basic ESPN or ESPN Two or ESPN Eight, the Ocho, right? You get those, and you get those on ESPN Plus. And not only that, you get uh, productions from ESPN. You get like Peyton Manning talking to different teams. You get Eli Manning dressing up as something and uh, whatever. But in this case, it's called Skin in the Game. All five episodes are appearing and available on the platform that's streaming, and according to the press release from ESPN, quote, the series delves into and challenges racism in the sports world and will reveal 
how pervasive racism is in sports while challenging the thoughts and systems of various governing bodies. Read that again. Challenging the thoughts and systems of various governing bodies. This is what grifters do, and this is what critical theory does to people. We have to challenge every system. We have to challenge every governance. We have to challenge everything that makes up society because in order for us to build it in our image, we have to break it down. Now, in episode one, uh, I think it's a five-part, we'll just look at a couple. Power to the Players. The show opens with Ibram X. Kendi sitting on a chair wearing a shirt that reads the 1619 Project. Of course, that's the debunked New York Times project that tries to reframe American history. Essentially, the idea of the 1619 Project, of course, is that America can never atone for slavery because it was a core tenet in the creation of the country, and so for its entire existence and in perpetuity, this will always be a racist country. So you really, there's no redeeming value there. The first episode refers to players using sports to fight for social justice. So um, there's really no definition for social justice given in the episode. It's a great term, but no one knows what it means. Three minutes in, you get your first Colin Kaepernick reference. Now, Colin Kaepernick, if you don't remember, Colin Kaepernick was a quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers, played for a Super Bowl, lost, and shortly after that season, tanked. Terrible quarterback play. Got benched for Blaine Gabbert. He's the backup. And then when he's the backup, he decides he's going to do his protest. Yeah. And uh, more recently, after Aaron Rodgers went down with a ruptured Achilles, done for the year probably, Colin Kaepernick's team sent a letter to the New York Jets begging the Jets to give him a spot on the practice squad. And if you're not familiar with the practice squad, you wouldn't make a whole lot of money. Now, the... Bigger concern I have is they brought in Gwendolyn Berry for an episode. Gwendolyn Berry is an Olympian. We've talked about her before on the show. Gwendolyn Berry made an interesting statement. It's, well, you know what? I'll just let you listen. Here's Gwendolyn Berry on her view of athletes. It's almost like the contracts, you know, are the new slave chains, right? So, you know, you have to sign this contract and sign this document and sign this document. It's like you're binded to this. And then if you break that, that's your livelihood. That's your life. So we the new slaves. Athletes are literally the new slaves because we need this. Our families, our friends depend on this contract to eat. You live in a free society. Let's just, they like to say football. Colin Kaepernick compared football to the slave trade. I'll use football. It's probably the thing I'm most um, well-versed in. A a college player gets drafted into the NFL. Now, last time I checked, and I could be wrong, perhaps I'm I'm not looking at the hidden cameras. At the NFL draft or at the negotiating table, there aren't people with weapons trained on you forcing you to sign the contract that pays you millions of dollars to play a sport. You're not required to play the sport. As, as the NCAA likes to say, and for all the all the disagreements I have with them, 99% of our athletes will go pro in something other than sports. So I'm confused how Miss Barry thinks that athletes 
signing contracts or signing themselves over to slavery because you're free to sign or not to sign the contract. And, oh, by the way, if I remember, and again, my history might be a little muddy, were slaves paid? Were slaves given the ability to negotiate the terms of their employment? Slaves weren't employed. Help me out. Maybe I'm missing something here. By the way, she says that these this is how these contracts are how we how we pay for our family's food. Yeah. Guess how I pay for my family's food? By the job I work. By the job you work. Can can we stop? Can we stop with these woke elitist brainwashers consistently telling us that oh my life is so hard my millions of dollars, if I don't have my millions of dollars, how am I going to support? Do you understand that in the housing market right now, 99% of homes in the U.S. are unaffordable to anyone making less than 70000 a year? That's based on a new study, by the way. Six, seven, eight-figure signing bonuses to these contracts, and you're going to tell me that the contract you freely signed to make those millions of dollars is a slave chain to you? She then complains that if athletes break the contract, they lose money. Yes, sweetheart, that's how contracts work. If I sign a contract with somebody to provide a service, let's say they bring me on to MC an event. I, I sign a contract to MC an event or to speak at an event. And then I don't show up to the event. Guess what? I don't get paid. It's... I just don't understand. But activists need to have something to fight against, I suppose, so we'll just make stuff up out of whole cloth. Later on in the episode, by the way, Gwendolyn Berry claims that athletes have, quote, so much political power it's ridiculous. Well, that's crazy because slaves didn't have any political power. When you say the word literally earlier in your statement, I have to hold you to that. She didn't say that athletes today are metaphorically like slaves. She didn't say that athletes today are somewhat allegorically like slaves, euphemistically like slaves. No, 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 no. She said athletes today are literally slaves. Literal slaves do not have so much political power. It's ridiculous, madam. Slaves didn't sit around talking about their political power. Meanwhile, athletes on grand stages, are willing to sit around on camera, mind you, and tell me and tell you that their life is hard. So hard. It is. It is hard because you don't have a basis in truth. So again, a lot going on today, a lot happening around the world. Of course, we continue to stand with and stand firm in our support of Israel. We are in prayer for the people of Israel. I would encourage you to stay connected on this. I would I would encourage you to continue to pray for Israel, pray for their leaders, pray for those who are in harm's way. This will continue to unfold over the next several days. I wanted to spend a bulk of our time today discussing that because I believe it requires our Christian attention. I, I have no other way of putting it 
other than that. Israel is essential to Scripture. Israel is essential and a major key player in the events we see unfold in Revelation, in the book of Revelation, and of course in end time prophecy in Daniel, in Jeremiah, in Isaiah, all of them. <laughs> Ezekiel. We need to be aware. We need to be aware of what's happening. And we need to see it for what it is. We need to see this evil for what it is because I wanted you to understand something and I'm not doom and gloom in it here, but I need to tell you something. Don't think it can't happen here. Those who seek to do evil will not be easily deterred from doing evil. And so for us as Christians, we must stand with the good. We must stand in truth. That's all the time we have on today's episode of the show. If you want more information about Palmetto Family, you can go to palmettofamily.org. You can also uh, visit our website there to get our email newsletter, sign up for it. You can invest in the work that we're doing. We can't continue to do the work we do unless you invest in the work that we do. And we thank you for faithfully supporting our ministry here at Palmetto Family. If you want more information on what's coming up on November 6th, we are less than a month away from Chloe Cole visiting the Palmetto State, specifically joining us in Spartanburg at First Baptist North Spartanburg on Monday, November the 6th at 7 p.m. The event is free. If you want tickets to that, all you got to do is go to our website, palmettofamily.org. You can click on the Stop the Insanity tab. It will take you to the page. You can register for your free ticket to that event. You'll hear Chloe's story about how she transitioned starting at the age of 12 and 13 and is now at the age of 19 detransitioned and is speaking out, advocating on behalf of patients across the country. Thank you for watching and listening to the show. If you want to subscribe to this, if you're listening on podcast, give us that five-star rating and review. Share it with your friends and family. Same thing on Facebook. Click the bell. Get notified every time we go have a new episode up or if we go live at any point, you can be notified of that. Again, it's because of you that we are the fastest growing and strongest conservative talk show in the state of South Carolina. We appreciate your support. Forward to talking with you later this week for our entire team at Palmetto Family. I'm Justin Hall. Have a great start to your week, and God bless.